Well, this is one of those evenings where, um, or days, I would say, you had a message about three days out, and uh, actually, it's a good message, uh, and we'll see if the Lord will permit me to serve it maybe next weekend, but he changed my thoughts and my mind before I even heard Adam preach this morning. I was in my office this morning and redoing everything, and as Adam started to lay out his word, I sat there and just kind of Again, uh, appreciating the Spirit of God because the Lord was, Adam was like the forerunner of what I want to say tonight. And it's uh, interesting and uh, appreciative when that happens, when you're, you're speaking the Word of God. So again, I would ask you, please give me your good eye and your good ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto new hope. Uh, tonight's message is just called simply Deeper. Uh, and, you know, it's... Adam was making his point when David got to the rooftop and was looking out. He had many years of service, of serving God. And New Hope is not the oldest church around, but we've been around long enough now. Uh, A lot of you have been with us those years. And at quarter like Adam was saying, quarter like us on the top of that roof, kind of looking, uh, God, you're going to look at this woman or are we going to call for our chariot? And so that was what the altar call was for. Uh, Ruth and I was, Lord, we want that chariot. We don't want our eyes to waver off. And uh, so this kind of has to do with that. Those of you who have been serving God uh, a length of time through the hilltops and the valleys of serving God. And sometimes you swear, this valley I'm in, I've never been in such a deep valley until the next one comes. And it just seems like they are. So when you have some years of serving God. There's so many things that have not gone according to your plans, you know, according to your thoughts of, of how things should and uh, serving God. And I'm not saying uh, evil plans that you're telling God what to do. You're just excited and serving God and filled with the Spirit of God, not religion anymore. You realize that the Lord is alive and has a plan for you and you're pumped and you get in it and you run as hard as you can. <clears throat> And you're not uh, planning on disappointments and heartaches and and valleys and broken relationships and broken hearts. And sometimes on down that road, your run kind of goes to a a walk and a meander. It just kind of happens to us. And I think that's sort of what Adam was trying to portray. And this is what God was giving me this morning uh, in my office. So Luke 5, 1 starts out like this, and it says, And it came to pass that, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake. So he was standing by this lake, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were fishing or washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. So this is where, now the answer is kind of where maybe new hope is in general. Uh, It doesn't mean that you are, you might be on fire and pumped, but sometimes we uh, also corporately aren't clicking on all eight cylinders. And God says, go out and fish again. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. And have taken nothing. Taken nothing. Now this is what we want to kind of press in on. This 
This part where you have spent many years in the ministry, whatever you've tried to do, you've tried to do to the best of your ability uh, to serve God, to be um, the best you can for God, to present whatever meal it is, if it's the VBS meal or the worship meal or the usher meal that you are to present for people. It's the best and finest meal that you have uh, the ability to create. You want to serve God that way and you do your best. That's what I would think that most of you do, if not all. So he goes, uh, you know what, Master? We have toiled all night and there's not a whole lot going on. We don't see a lot of fruit. We don't see a lot of uh, people coming to Christ. We don't see a lot of stirring, a lot of moving uh, and people aren't moved by music, might not even be moved by tonight's message. Maybe you weren't even moved by Adam's this morning. Master, what? Now that word toiled, toiled all night. It's not a word where I would use toiled. Yesterday, we did some stuff. I didn't come home and say, Oof, we toiled all morning. It's just not a word that I would use. Uh, but that word toiled um, doesn't have enough impact to me, to what it's really saying. And, it, and think of it as them fishing all night and you. In the ministry, whatever part that you play in this ministry, witnessing your friends, your neighbors, your mother, and by the way, your husband's still not saved, and those children and the people you work with, they just don't want to hear. So you toil all night, and toil means to grow weary. You can grow weary in this ministry that God has given us. You can grow tired. It also means exhausted, exhausted because of with toil or burdens or grief. Man, there's a lot of grief in the ministry. There just is. There's like, what? You're, you're not serving God anymore? What? You got divorced? You're not in the house of God anymore. When you remember people that maybe used to preach or teach Sunday school and they're not even in the house of God anymore, or maybe some of your Favorite friends that you had dinner with, not even around anymore. They've taken off. There's a lot of grief. So it also means toil with burdens or grief. Heartaches means to labor with worrisome effort. You've given it your best. And you just about don't have any spit left. Been there? I have. And so it also means to toil of bodily labor. Which it just does. And so that's what the response came from the disciples and the people of God when God was in the ship doing his thing again. And they were like, we're beat. We're exhausted. All right? Now, things kind of unravel, you know, uh, age, um, trials, upheavals, situations, our nation, its stupidity, and its walk from God, and the blasphemy, the words that seem to come across our news, written in new laws, that you can't do this, and you're not going to do that, and so it just wears you out. And that's part of the plan from Daniel. Daniel 7.25, we've brought this scripture up many times. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. This is what's going on in our nation. It has never, there's always maybe been a few that were trying to rise up and uh, blaspheme our Lord in this nation. But now it seems like there's only a few that rise up to honor God. It's made a complete 180 degree turn in our nation. Great words against the Most High. 
and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And that's kind of where maybe David was wore out. I don't know. Maybe David thought he was uh, owed him a little kickback a little time when it was time for him to be doing something. Adam laid it out real good this morning. That's where you and I could be. And I think we are. So that word, to wear out the saint, means to harass continually. You know, that this is the first example of bullying. I mean, that gets old, and when your children get bullied, they'll come up with all kinds of excuses not to go to school. They just don't want to go through the hassle anymore. Maybe even riding a simple little stupid school bus. Because of the constant harassment and mocking. Made fun of, the pushing, the elbowing, the kicking of the books down. And this is what the enemy does to you and I. It's a constant harassment. It's an antichrist spirit and you're walking with the spirit of God in you in this world. And so there's a constant harassment from the enemy continually. So that sometimes even everyday life becomes a wretched experience. Just wears you out. Thin. I told you sometimes, Ruth, and I'll catch an old movie, you know, like in the 40s, and you'll see them pray right there on TV, or they'll mention God, or we've seen scriptures on, on those old stations, and, you know, and, instead of us, us going, yippee, we kind of go, oh, man, look how it used to be, because of that constant harassment, and the enemy never quits. He just doesn't. He persecutes the saints of the Most High. That, that term means he speaks of a cruel and systematic pressure, a plan he has for you and I to beat you down. That's his plan, to browbeat. Okay, and it comes from the world. That means to, to wear away or to wear out as, as clothes do, the friction from clothes. After a while, they get frayed and thin and they got holes in them because of the constant friction or the movement or the soles, the heels to the ground. That's what he does to you and I, constantly. That's why the disciples looked at him and they said, Hey, Master, we're beat. We're exhausted. We've toiled. Not only that, it goes on and talks about they speak great words or pompous words, blasphemous words about the Lord. Horrible words. They've produced terrible pictures about Movies about the Lord. He's, um, sometimes uh, here lately they'll have the, one of those channels will just do the secret life of Jesus. And he was married and he did this. And you're just like, oh, please, come on. Even if you want to kind of just watch something which is really of no value, hardly would come spiritually, an animal show. And you just watch this thing about alligators, whatever. It's like, man, they're powerful. They're kind of cool. And, and they'll say, yeah, he's developed this from six million years. And you're like, oh, come on. Can't I just watch the alligator eat the other thing? Right? It's just kind of like, come on. And it does. It just kind of exhausts you and it wears you out. They come against everything and anything that you stand for and everything you believe in. Okay? And so sometimes when you say, okay, we're meeting again. Let's go. This Wednesday, come on, we're going to hit the all. And you're like, come on. I'm just kind of wore out. And then this constant toiling and never letting up and the the cries of the enemy and the, the liar on your shoulder and he screams that you are nothing and you're just ready to pass the nets off. To someone else. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Yea, 
In all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer persecution. And we are. Now, compared to what's going on, we're still really not bad. But this is the most it's ever been in the nation that I've been living in, in our nation. The Antichrist spirit, the unfriendliness to church and churches, neighborhoods, the whole thing. Verse 13 says, but evil men and seducers are going to get worse. They're going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And you can see that in the house of God. I scratch my head over people who don't uh, rightly discern the word of God or various movements or things that go on in the house of God, things that they say is God in its foolishness and silliness in the name of the Lord. Men have come in according to the word of God, and that wears you out after a while. With Adam preaching this morning, I got to get uh, ready later, not as uh, urgent as usually when I'm uh, ready to deliver the word at 10 in the morning. And so I got to hear some of the speakers that we really can't find hardly any as we get ready on uh, Sunday morning church to to speak the word of God, and some of them, you're going, what? And one guy was singing Amazing Grace, and I said, he, he changed the words. He changed them because he didn't want to sing a wretch like me. He sang, because you have set us free. And I'm like, even in our own, you can't have a Christian station. You can't have Christian radio. You can't even have a Christian church, it seems like, without somebody following it up, including me and you. It just is. It's just, oh, that gets exhausting and kind of just wears you out. 2 Timothy 2, 4 says this, no man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chose him to be a soldier. And then you could, you could be sitting there right now and just say, you know what? I'm too exhausted to even pick up my weapon. I don't want to put my fatigues on. I don't want to put my military clothes on. But God says that you are not to entangle yourself in the affairs of this world. That means to be involved in them. And we have, we've gone overboard. Now listen, you've got to listen real carefully. Uh, when, when voting time comes, we vote. And we stick that sticker on. We want everybody to say, we voted. But that's not our key to victory. That's just something we can do here in this nation. And I think the Christians have gone overboard that way. Because we've gotten involved with the system, and it's not the system that's going to correct our nation. So this is what I mean by getting in told. No one engaged in warfares entangles himself with the affairs of this life, God says. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, and he's saying this to you and I, you and I must have an attitude of a soldier. Now listen, the soldier willingly or unwillingly, he must detach himself from the things of this world. Of his civilian life. He has to detach himself. When I got drafted, it wasn't me and Ruth. Uncle Sam said, we're drafting you and you can take your girlfriend. Because we don't want you to be displeased. They just snatched me. They could care less that I had a girlfriend. When I was in this military, which was the United States Air Force, they did not care about May 20th. You're on May 20th. Well, that's special to Ruth and I. That's the first time she said, yes, I could take her on a date. 
So May 20th has kind of always been special. So I go, Sergeant, Sergeant, can I go home for May 20th? You understand by the, the military people have to be detached from that civilian life. You get drafted. They don't care if your birthday was coming up, your anniversary was coming up, if your wife was having a baby. You're gone. You're detached. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. They didn't care if tonight was the big game. Nothing. We were in the military. And that's just the way it was. In fact, I, I believe it was when I went, they put me on a plane weeks before Christmas. And not one of them shed a tear. But I was going, but, but my prisons, my mom, my... You, you, you understand the gist, right? What I'm getting. And Paul is saying, you and I should be soldiers. So it was just, uh, in fact, when we went... We weren't even allowed to have uh, contact with home. We weren't allowed to, home, allowed to call mommy. And they would tell you that. Oh, you want to call your mommy? They would. They'd scream that at us. We were forbidden. Not allowed. Weeks had to go by. They wanted you totally. Because I'll tell you what. When they finally would give you permission, there's always a group of guys with mommy. They do. And they, they no longer are. They're trying to make them warriors. And they go back to being mommy and suck their thumb. We've had that in our platoon. And so in this, the world gets that when it comes to military and warriors. And sometimes you're just, man, I just don't want to. Timothy goes on and is told by Paul, he says in verse chapter 2, verse 3, he says that thou therefore Endure hardness as a good soldier. We'd be told the night before what we're supposed to wear, what time we're getting up, what gear we're supposed to have on, and you better be ready to go at 600 hours, whatever it was. And you had to be standing there ready to go. Just like tonight, we had an advisory, right? Ice storm, snowstorm at 7 in the morning. They didn't have any of those. When you got up, you were going no matter what it was doing out there. And your job was just to endure it because you're a soldier of the United States. And so God is uh, making this parallel through Paul's writings to a young man, a young recruit, that you are to endure, which means to suffer. Suffer these hardships, these evils, these troubles. And I believe that also was in the fisherman's heart when they were like, no more. I just can't anymore. I just don't have it anymore. Been wounded too many times. Disappointed too many times. All right, well, <clears throat> the scripture reads that you must. Therefore, he says you therefore must. So this is not a suggestion from Paul to Timothy. It wasn't. Must carries out a, a sense of requirement or command. Be ready at 600 hours. Fatigues, dress, packs, pistol, or a rifle. Ready to go. It wasn't. We didn't look around and say, 
Do you think they really want us at 6 in the morning? Well, I heard two inches of snow are coming. And we, and we had that stuff when I was, you know, being trained in that kind of stuff. Part of my training was in Denver. It'd be like this. You'd get up tomorrow and it'd have seven inches of snow. Well, you, they didn't stop. You crawled in it. You marched in it. Whatever you had to do. So it's a must. Endure hardship. As a good soldier, Timothy was saying, this is the, the, the attitude that you have to have. You have to be detached from this world. You are called to endure these hardships. <clears throat> no real soldier, or at least no good soldier, ever gave up simply because hardships. Ooh, wouldn't that be something if that was cool about God's people? Yeah, gone in a second. But gone in a minute. Because... We get overwhelmed, we get this way, and we're like, please. Can't, God. Lord, um, isn't it time that you make some bread and some fish for me? Just speak it, and there it is, and I can just come and get my chair, my chair and just chill out. Haven't I earned that? So let's go back to our fisherman. Simon answering said unto him, Master... Uh, we love you, but we have toiled all night. God, I've tried my best. I give it my best shot. We believe. Thank you for what you've done for us. But we, we're, we have taken nothing. Nothing at all. We've accomplished nothing. And we're exhausted. And my hands hurt. Blistered. My back. I've used so much fuel. I've caught nothing. Mark 1.17, and Jesus said unto them, come ye after me and I will make you become fishers of men. I, I, I put that in there because I'm just, I know you know that I'm talking about spiritual here. We're to be fishers of men. Okay? But I think we're kind of like, you know what? No one wants to hear me. I pull that big old net out, my hands ache, and I throw it, pull it in again, night after night, day after day, and there's nothing. When he says, I will make you fishers of men, he's implying a gradual process. You just don't become, but you learn, you learn to. The idea here, mending their nets, these are some cool terms I found. It's talking about Mark's term here means, means to properly put in order. Okay, there's, there are ways that you fish for people. You know, just ways to do it right, to be spirit-led. So to be properly put in order or to make ready. So this includes, now, think of the effort now. Remember, I, I preached on this a long time ago, many times, and the only fishing I did was that little Zipco thing. It was five ninety five. You zipped it out there and cut a two-inch bluegill and thought, okay. Well, this is those big, heavy nets that then get waterlogged. So it's, the idea here is you have to clean those nets. They have to be cleansed. And a lot of times they'll pick up stuff that's been thrown into the lake or the sea, 
twigs, trees, old boots, whatever it is, tires. You got to clean them and then you got to mend them because they'll rip. Then you got to fold these big things. Try to help Ruth. The worst thing in the world is having to do sheets in the laundry, especially the one that you put on first. What's that called? Can anybody really fold a fitted sheet? It's impossible. All right. So if you just use these big, talking about these huge nets, heavy nets that might be as long as this stage, and you're, they don't have the cranes that we do now, and they pull them so their hands, their backs, their legs, everything. And they've got to do it all again tomorrow, John. You know, if, if I do help out Ruth and do some laundry or run the sweeper, my next thing is stay off the bed and don't walk on the carpet. <laughs> Why? There's a lot of work. And that's nothing compared to what we're talking about here. And then the spiritual battle on top of it. And the upheavals again, and then the broken hearts again, and then you're getting older and you just can't do what you used to do. And So they're like, Lord, please, we're exhausted. We're wore out. We've toiled all night and have taken nothing. And I've thought of that lots of times. Various things we've done here. Telling the Lord just that last month. Really? Should I do this again? Because you just feel that way, being honest. So the idea is, what do we do now? Well, if we took hands, which we're not, but if we took them, we probably have, I could say, we deserve a break. Maybe we can take a group vacation. Time off from teaching, from chasing kids who seem like they don't want to be taught about God. Time off from trying to lasso volunteers who don't want to be lassoed. It was just true. Time off from singing. You sing all the time and they don't really. (laughs) Time off from VBS. There's kids again. Nursery. Just over and over. Your Wednesday night teaching, your three boys that show up. You think, what? Lord. You should just kick back like everybody else. Everybody else is. You put up those nets, you tie up the ship, and you kick back and relax. It's a good reason for this chair. Maybe I'll just start preaching from sitting down. Yeah. And I'm tired. Can somebody get me something? And I mean, you understand how we can be. Well, so what are we supposed to do? Well, let's, let's look at the playbook. Let's go back to these fishermen, back to Luke 5, and see what God told them. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God... He stood again by the lake, and he started preaching. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into the ship, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught people out of the ship. Now, here you are. Now, look, I've had many conversations with a lot of you 
this last month or so. And a lot of exhaustion and fatigue has been coming from you. Okay? Just has. It's just kind of maybe where we are. And this is what was happening to these guys. And the next verse holds the key of what God told them. God says, and when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, uh, launch out deeper. The Lord didn't say, oh, Wayne, Wayne, I have a chair for you. Rest, rest. I believe God will give us rest, supernatural rest. He has, in fact, he tells us to come and enter that rest, okay? But what's God telling us that are exhausted and tired and, you know, in the age, and we start to say, you know what, I really can't much anymore. What did God say to these guys when they ever said, we're totally exhausted, we caught nothing, and we toiled all night? He said, go out deeper. Launch all over again. Do it again. Now, let's be perfectly clear. Your Lord and Savior and Master is telling you to do that. They didn't want to. You can tell by the reply, like, for Pete's sake, we're so exhausted, so tired. Look at these hands. Nevertheless, we'll do what you say. And that's where we are here. That's where I am. After umpteen years of serving God and 59 million sermons, it seems like, and all, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I have this great list that I want to tell God about. And all I'm getting from God is, hey, okay, yeah, yeah. Now go deeper. Launch out deeper. He didn't say to me, Oh, soon you'll be 66 and you're on Social Security. I have a chair for you. In fact, this one rocks because you're old and feeble and can't do nothing. What did God say? He said, you go out deeper. You launch out deeper. You push into the things of God, deeper things of God. And that's where you're at. Like Adam said, you're on the top of the roof, looking down. You've been serving. You've been teaching. You've been singing, praying, whatever it is. And now you have to choose. Choose the chariot to continue to serve or get your eyes off of God. So here we are, exhausted. Doesn't seem like anybody's really being stirred. No massive crowds of people coming in, running to the altar, getting right with God. God exhausted. We give it our best shot. And by the way, I'm 65. And God's telling, uh, launch out. What? What? You don't, you don't want a picture of me and everything that I've done and a, get my gold watch and a certificate and stand beside you and I relax? No, there's no time to relax. God is saying to you and I to launch out. In fact, not only launch out, you're to go deeper. You're to find deeper stuff. Now, in the natural, all of us, and in my natural, I'm ready for the clear waters of the Caribbean and looking at all them fish and someone else launch out. I'll watch. 
Launch out means to get back out there. Those of you that are... And I, I found it interesting anyway because, um, you know, that, that I'm preaching this Sunday night. Because sometimes I think, man, God, this would have been better. Than but I don't believe so. I, I, I don't believe so. This group needs to launch out. In fact, you've got to go deeper. You've got to launch out into the deep. And you look up that word deep, and it means of the deep things of God. Where most don't want to go. Where eagles fly alone. Remember all that stuff? Where you're in pursuit. Because you want God to be, make you a God chaser. You remember that? Where the kabod would be. Where the kabod would linger. The heavy presence of God. In fact, where you would go in hot pursuit. In fact, where you would create an atmosphere that the frost or that the presence of God would show. Just like the frost does on your... Where's it come from? It's in the atmosphere all the time. Certain conditions, frost is there. Certain conditions, God's there. You're to launch out into the deep. With all this, even these guys... Weary, song after song, can just do it pretty easy after a while. Or you can start launching out. <clears throat> so their reply was, it kind of meandered, you know. It's like, I mean, it was like, all right, Pastor, we'll try again to be real spiritual. And we'll try again to pray more. And oh, we're tired, whatever, we'll do it at your word. And what happened? They had a great harvest. They got a great harvest. It wasn't like they were like, yes, this word has turned me on. I'm on fire for God again. They were going, oh, God, are you kidding me? We're so, but because you said so, we'll do it. And bingo. It happened. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this. Then shall you call upon me, you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Did you hear those words? You do that tonight. You come to God, you pray unto God, and God said, I'll hearken unto you. And you shall seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you become unattached from the world. Just like the military demanded I was. I was their property. Everything I had, said the United States Air Force. Everything I owned, food I ate, shoes, socks, underwear, bathroom paper I used. Everything. Shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Listen, verse 14 says, and I will be found of you. It's not hide and seek. You remember that one? Remember that message, God? Is this hide and seek? You're... Remember what I would say? I always play hide and seek with my children. When they were little, well, for Pete's sake, they would never find me if I played it like an adult mine. They got their kitty mine. Remember those messages? Those deep things that God revealed to us? And I said I would hide behind a couch like this with my big backside hang because they could find Daddy. And your Heavenly Father's not hiding from you that you never find Him. But you got to seek Him. And He says, I will be fond of you. He'll be going, here I am. All these things would push us to the deeper things of God. I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. 
God says, I'll turn it away. But Lord, it's really bad in America. That doesn't, that doesn't move God. That it's bad in America. And I will gather you from all the nations. And from all the places whither I have driven you. God says, this whole thing, I'm causing all this. I'm causing all this and I'm looking for the people that will launch out into the deep. Not give up so darn fast. God says, I've driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Remember? Remember all that stuff? There has always been God chasers that would chase God down. And we would chase and we would run and then we'd get weary. But this is still what the Lord wants. Remember Psalm 63, 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. Not just sing little kumbayas and everybody loves Jesus. My soul follows hard, hard after you. Means to follow closely, to overtake, to catch, to run after. To overtake in your hot pursuit for God. Where my office is, I can see these cops, man, when they light it up in hot pursuit. Man, they mean business. State troopers are right there. I see it all the time. Lots of police cars go up and down. All of a sudden, bam, lights go on. You hear those. I can hear them engine from where I sit in my office. And they're gone. And sometimes I'll get up and go to the window. They're already gone. I missed them. Hot pursuit after God. We get exhausted. We get weary. We start falling into disbelief. And we say, Lord, we've toiled all night. And God's answer, get back out there. Get back out there. In fact, go beyond what you've been doing. Go past where you've been fishing. Get out in the deep. And my answer is, deep? Get out in the deep. Launch out again. In fact, God says, deeper. You remember the scriptures that we're being robbed of? This one. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There was a visitor here this morning, someone we've been praying for, someone we don't know a little bit, but we know. And the person said to his connection to this church, I've been wanting to come. I just feel like God's wanting something from me. A heathen. He can sense a tug or something. What about us? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Before I pulled into the parking lot, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if I get my way, it is. I'm pulling in, I'm telling Ruth, I can't wait to get a BLT. Because it's pulling at me. And it's tugging. And so I don't know what your plans are, but if everything's cold, Ruth and I, we've got to see you at Denny's. We'll have my face in a BLT. Because it, it pulls so, therefore I go, well, we can be filled with God. 
The problem is we don't have the tug or the pull. Well, what am I supposed to do? Come up here and say, God, give me the tug. Give me the pull again. It wasn't you the first time. It's God. God, give us back to us. Then God says, then launch out again. And get in the deep where that stuff exists. Remember the big tsunami that came in Indonesia that threw up so much weird stuff that man thought he knew everything was in the ocean? It's all stuff from the deep. The waves you see on a normal day are surface waves at the wind. Tsunami comes from top to bottom. Everything's a wave. And it takes all those deep creatures and spits them on the... And water goes back. And you're like, oh my, holy, what on earth? Well, that's what it's out there in God. There's so many, holy moly, oh my gosh, can you believe what God's doing? We settled for the surface waves. Exhausted, wore out. Sometimes you wonder, good grief. And God would say to you, get back out there. Get out into the deep. God said, I am making you fisher of men. Fishers of men. God says, you don't hunger and you don't thirst after my righteousness. That's why you're not filled. How silly and dumb would it be? I have money. I have a car. I have a driver's license. The car has gas. And there's a restaurant that sells BLTs right down the road. I drive right by it, going home, sit in my bed, put my jammies on, and go, I want a BLT. Why didn't someone bring me a BLT? How about this one? We've hammered this one for years. Listen to this. Guys want to see God? Bible simply says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're like, please, Pastor, how am I ever going to get pure in heart? Right up here. Right up here at the altar. Say, God, what's displeasing to you, Lord? Lord, I want to launch in the deep again. I want to frolic in the power of God again. I want to fish. And God will do whatever he has to do and say to you, don't do that, clean that up, whatever it is. But God simply says, the pure in heart will see God. This church can see God. See God. An tangible move of God. The manifested presence. The kabod, the glory of God. But you've got to launch out in the deep. Not a whole lot of people go out there. Well, this older call will be our launching out. And if you're not going to launch out, then he's pretending and coming to the altar. But and, I, and I've made many messages and many points about how and what I am. I'm not a, I'm not a deep person. I'm just not. Every once in a while, Ruth will bring up, let's do a cruise again, and I'll go... Cruise was awesome. It was fun with our family. Clean fun was awesome. It was like, every time I'd go to bed, you'd have that channel on TV playing about where the ship is, and it would tell you, you know, three miles deep. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. 
we're, we're on three miles of deep water. I am not a deep person. I'm not. So we have to pray. This is what we're going to pray for, at least I am. Pray for a spirit of spiritual violence inside of you again. God, give me that violence. Remember that scripture? Kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The soldiers march on. They launch out. They keep fishing. Trusting God. Because it's not you. I know it's not me. You pray for a spirit of that spiritual violence that will grip our hearts again. You pray for my heart. That God will grip it again. That Jesus will turn us into warriors. That we will be unattached from the world. You'll get your vacations. Those times, those moments that you've earned throughout work. You know, you get four weeks here, two weeks, whatever. I'm not not talking about blowing all them off, but you you understand what I'm talking about, I hope. Pray that we won't stop this time. Pray that we'll pray for a breakthrough until there's a crack in the heavenlies. It was nice tonight at worship. A little sliver, a little crack in the heavenlies until heaven opens and God starts sending the rain again that we would beg him for and cry out for. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain again. But it starts by you saying, okay, God, nevertheless, all my whining, all my excuses, I will simply do it at your word. Someone had called and asked me to do something just the other day, and I would never do this. It'd be a cold day, you know where. All those cliches, I had them all ready. But I found myself typing, I will do this and do this only for you not a bad thing. It's not a crazy thing. All of you are going to want to know what it is. I'll let Ruth tell you, but it's just something that's like, no way. Are you kidding me? But I'll do it simply because of you. And that's the altar, Lord. My knees knock when I think of deep. I, I, I've tried so many times. I can go through it all. I can go through it all. But just like, Lord, you're asking me to launch out again, then I'll launch out in the deep. And the only thing I can do in the deep is hang on to God. Let's stand. Got some music, please. That's the altar call. I believe that New Hope God is challenging us again. I believe Adam set it up this morning, standing on that rooftop, looking. Do I go the easy way, or do I call for the chariot of service again? Here we are again tonight. Come, wade in. 
tell God, exhausted, I have no strength, I don't want to, but nevertheless, at your word, I will launch out. 